Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. Jesus, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, we worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, God, I magnify you. I want to share something with you this morning, and then I'm going to dismiss the, the kids, or the kids can go ahead and go. Um, if you, uh, last night you can be seated. We, we met here last night for, for prayer. And uh, I, I just, I, we've been praying here just about every week for the past couple of, uh, I don't know, probably about a, two months or so. We've been meeting here every Saturday and praying, a few of us, and, and anyone's invited that wants to come. Um, but we uh, had, been, uh, had been meeting, and every prayer meeting, I, I tell you, it, it seems to get just a little bit better every time. And, and honestly, last night I got done, and I was like, how can it get better than this? Like, how, how can it get any better than this? Because I feel like it was, and, and the only thing that I can think of, and it, and it really ties in with my message this morning, is we have got to have that childlike awe in our relationship with God. You know, when you see a child, I'm like touching on my message. I haven't even told you what I want to tell you, but I'm touching on my message here. Um, we, we should have that childlike awe when a child is, you know, learning and, and growing we, we see them so excited when they learn something new or they just, and, and, and sometimes, you know, you adults, they see you as just so awesome because of all the knowledge that you have. Wow, my mom and dad, they're geniuses, you know, they, they've, done, uh, they've done so much, they're so cool. You know, I, I, think, that's, I think that's accurate. I, uh, I remember that, but uh, anyways, last night, uh, we were here praying, and the presence of God was just so strong. And I feel like, and we, uh, I, I don't know how to explain it because I had never experienced anything like what I felt last night. And I was here laying on the floor, and I, I felt God speak to me. I heard him speak to me. And we had been praying, and I'll tell you, it got, it got, it got hot in here. It got, it, we, it was the power of God was sweeping through here last night, and I feel like anything that, anything that we were praying, he was hearing. And I was, I was laying on the floor, and, and I felt the presence of God so strong, and I felt God speaking. And, and this is what he said, and, and I was so nervous last night when I said it, but he said, I've heard your cries, and my hand is on this church. It was over and over and over again in my head. And I just was like, oh God, let someone say it. Let someone say it. And, and I just had to, I had to get, I had to say it. I had to get it out and I believe it. His hand is upon this church, which means his hand is upon each and every one of your lives. He's heard your cries, and he's ready to answer. He's ready to move in your situation. I believe that last night strongholds were torn down, that mountains were beginning to be moved, that situations were being shifted. I believe last night as God was moving that the atmosphere was changed, that we are in victory. We are walking in victory. God, I worship you and I thank you for that I magnify you Jesus uh, hallelujah God I worship you I am excited for what God is doing in this city in this town in, in this church I'm so thankful for lives that are being changed for people's hearts that are being touched the presence of God is a real thing and we have got to be passionate about following him I want to uh, I'm going to jump in here and kind of recap over the last week. So last week we started in Mark chapter 10, and this week we'll also be continuing in Mark chapter 10, finishing up that book. Um, but last week we really, I really focused on the, the portion of, of one, we must be as little children or we can never enter the kingdom of heaven. So we must have that awe of learning like children do. We, sh we should have that awe when, 
when uh, we come to, to Jesus, when we come to him in our relationship with him, we should have that, that awe. Oh, what, what is the next thing that you're going to do? God? What, are you, what is the next thing that's going to happen? How could it get better than this? Like his plan is better than I could ever imagine. You may be in a situation in your life. You may be struggling with some things, but I promise you, he's heard your cry and he wants to touch you today. So, remembering Jesus had said to them, bring the children to him. After getting upset because the disciples tried to keep them from him. We should be tearing down barriers that, that stop people from getting to Jesus. We should be bringing, we should have spiritual babies in the church. We should be bringing babies into the church, meaning new people, born again, moving in a relationship with God. They're moving forward. We're going to help them. We're going to help them grow. So we must have a willing spirit to allow Jesus to touch us. One thing that I began to talk about last week and didn't really get into it is as they brought the children to Jesus, he touched them and blessed them. They were willing to be touched by Jesus. And I think that's so important. Now, my recap this week is probably just a tish longer than all my other recaps because last week we really touched on a lot of stuff. And uh, we talked about the rich young ruler. And I love this guy. Like, he's, it's so cool, the story that's in the Bible. Like, this guy running to Jesus, getting on his knees. He, he treated Jesus. Just think of the way he treated him. He came running to him. He was so desperate to get to Jesus. The scripture says in verse 17 that Jesus was sit, setting out on a journey. And this man came running to him. So... Jesus was getting ready to leave, and the rich young ruler says, I'm not going to miss my opportunity. I am going to get before Jesus. We should have that type of passion, but let's not be like the rich man. <laughs> we should have that type of passion that I come running to Jesus to get what I need and actually let him touch our lives, actually let him move in our lives. So this means he had to be desperate to get to Jesus. He knew that he needed to get to Jesus. He had respect for him. He knelt before him. He began to kneel down before Jesus. He came running and knelt down before Jesus. And, oh, Jesus appeared to, he, he at least appeared to have reverence for who Jesus was. However, as I was studying this week, I was drawn back to the question he asked Jesus. Last week, I talked about how he had said, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and I took that and I was like, you know, we've asked the question, what must I do to be saved? You know, and I think that's an important question. What must I do to be saved? I want to follow Jesus. I want to, what he wants me to do, I want to do. And so we see here, this young man, he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I began to wonder, why did he ask this question? Was he asking about salvation or was it purely personal so that he could keep his, his possessions for all eternity. I had never thought of that before. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say that. But I think it does give some, some points when, when Jesus says to him, that, that when it says in the Bible that, that Jesus loved this man, the scripture says, but, he, he looked at, but we look at how Jesus began to list some of the, the commandments. And he said, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not, you know, I don't, uh, not commit adultery, but uh, thou shalt not steal, you know, do all these. He's like, I've done all these things from my youth, Jesus. And there's one thing you lack, young man. One thing that you lack. We have to have priority in our relationship with God. Nothing can come before that. Our relationship with God has got to be number one priority. He is not okay with coming in second place. He's got to be number one in our lives. Everything that we do should be, should be, okay, God, is this what you want me to do? Okay, God, am I doing what you want me to do? So we see this man, he comes before him, falls down, and we see Jesus said, but there's one thing that you lack. Remember, anything that comes before him is an idol. His instructions for the rich man were clear. He was to sell all that he had and give it to the poor. Why did Jesus want him to sell everything and give it to the poor? It, it, it wasn't so that the poor could be richer, but it was so 
his possessions were no longer his God. He was trying to get him to say, okay, God, you are number one priority, not everything that I have. Possessions are not sin. The fact that they become your God is what is sin. The very first four commandments, they deal with having nothing before God, to honoring God, to, to making time for him, all those first four commandments. And when Jesus said, sell everything that you own and have it to the poor, this man was grieved and turned and walked away. He turned away. He made it all the way to Jesus. And I would dare say that many of us make it all the way to Jesus, but we never let him touch us. We never let him speak into our lives. And this is what happened. When that young man turned and walked away, he said, no, God, no, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. No, what you have to give me is not good enough for what I have so much better is what he, de he declared in that moment. He, he would not let Jesus touch him. He would not let him speak into his life. Don't get all the way to Jesus just to turn and walk away. Remember when Jesus told the Pharisees that day, way back in a couple chapters ago, it says, you serve me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. This man, he kept service to God on his lips, but his heart was far from him. He wasn't going to serve God with his heart, but he was willing to just go ahead and speak a few words. It is not enough to just speak a few words. It has got to be in your heart. I have got to have relationship with him. He walked away. Jesus listed what he needed to do. He gave him the plan. And this man rejected it because he found the cost was too great. How many of us have found the cost too great? Oh, I can't give that up. You know, God, I'll give you this, but this is mine. And when you tell God that, God, this, this is the time that I'm going to give you, but this is mine. You say, God, this is my God. And I'm making time for this God. Now, I'm not saying you can't have fun. You can't go do things. I'm not saying that in any way. But you better check your priorities. Because anything that you place before him becomes an idol. He walked away. So remember how Jesus touched the little children? He blessed them. This poor young man walked away. And never was touched by Jesus. And as far as we know, this man never made his life right. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible what this man did. I would venture to say that this man was lost. As we kind of closed the service last week, we talked about if we could ask one question to the young man. What if we could ask the question, was it worth it and I said last week I believe that we would hear a scream from the pit of hell begging you to hear and to follow Jesus, to not turn away and to walk away, but to follow him, to, to pursue him, to chase after him. He would give you a warning from the pit of hell to change your life and to leave it all and follow him. And that brings us to this week in the remainder of Mark chapter 10. Fighting, uh, finishing the story, the rich young ruler, uh, Jesus began to say some other things after the young man left. Jesus, in verse 23, says, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. Again, Jesus said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. When you value everything over your relationship with Jesus, it's not possible to make it to heaven. When you value everything else over your relationship with Jesus, it's impossible to make it. We can value our hurts and pains because it's a familiar thing to us. 
We can hold on to those things that are familiar while those things that are familiar are what are killing us, that, that are dragging us down. And, and Jesus is like, just leave it at my feet. Stop picking it up and taking it back with you. Just leave it here at the altar of sacrifice. All I'm asking for you to give me is your brokenness. All I'm asking for you to give me is your hurt, your pain, the things that are going on in your life. Let me take control of it you see when we have our priorities right it's okay we can make it verse 25 says it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God they were even more astonished saying to one another then who can be saved what's this mean so one thing we know about Jesus is that he said a lot of things that astonished a lot of people. And uh, we see, we see these, these people that are just like confused, like what in the world? I gotta fit a camel through the eye of a needle. So I brought a needle that has an eye on it and I want you to see how small that was. Now, I did some, I did some digging because my sister had told me something and boy, it was good. I was like, oh man, that's, that's going to preach real good. And then I started doing some research, and I was like, well, I can't, I can't present that as 100% fact because uh, I couldn't find, like, actual, like, historical documents that, that actually said it was true. So I began thinking about this and reading more, and, and for several weeks I've been kind of looking at these passages of Scripture trying to figure out what he meant when he said a camel through the eye of a needle. So here's several things that I found out. Some say that the eye of the needle was a small passageway into the city of Jerusalem that traders could use once the main gates had closed. This is an awesome story. Like, it's, it's really cool. I wanted to use it, but then I realized it doesn't really fit with what Jesus said. Why would someone be so astonished that a camel fit through a wall that was made for people to get through? So the story goes that... Uh, once the gates had closed at the night, once it became dark, they would uh, have this secondary gate that people could go through. And the only way that you could get the camel through is if you would take all of the baggage off. I was like, oh, that's real good. Take the baggage off, leave it there. And then the, the, then the camel has to get down on its knees and crawl through. And there were some pictures that said this could have been the eye of the needle. And the, but they, these stories didn't come around until like the ninth century. So I couldn't say it was fact or true. And how would people be so astonished? I mean, it's doable. Like, I can do it on my own strength, right? I, I could get the camel through by doing a few things. That's a really cool story, but I was able, unable to bring facts and be like, oh, this is, this is it. So I'd drawn several conclusions that if the people were so astonished, it had to mean something more than something I could do on my own ability. So some said in some other reading that I found, that this was a misinterpretation, that what Jesus had actually been talking about on that day was not a camel, but the words that he used were actually more closely related to cable. And I began to think, okay, um, how would they be so astonished about a piece of rope or a cable fitting through the eye of a needle? You see, in that rope, I can take it apart and and I can put it through the needle one strand at a time, and I can feed it through. Um, and then I can, uh, once it gets through the other side, we can probably tie it back together and begin to make a rope again, a cable again, whatever. I can get it through on my own ability. I can do it on my own. But a camel through the eye of a needle. Oh, how, how on earth do I get that through? So I began to realize that the Bible has to be accurate to what Jesus is saying here. That Jesus astonished a lot of people. That throughout the book of Mark, we read that he astonished a lot of people with what he had said. Jesus did not want to use human reasoning when he said, it's impossible to fit an eye of a, a, cam a camel through the eye of a needle. And I began to think and I could imagine the disciples, well, then who can make it to heaven? Who can, who can do it? Like, I can't, I can't do that on my own ability. I can't make it to heaven. 
on my own will, on my own strength, on my own power. I, I can't do that. But Jesus goes on to say some other things that give us some example. That give me reason to believe that the two stories that sound kind of neat, that maybe someone was like, oh, maybe this is a possibility. When I read these next scriptures, I realize that what Jesus really said was, it's impossible for you to put a camel through the eye of a needle. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So I can go through and I can feed a camel through the eye of a, a little hole in the wall. I can take the baggage off. I can do that all on my own ability. You can go through counseling and therapy and you can lay baggage down. Yes, you can. You can get help. It really, it does work. But there is nothing like laying it down before Jesus and letting him do the work. You can, you can go to people, you can get help, but there, I promise you there is something about laying it down before him. There's a power in laying it down before him. And so we see this. I, I, can, I can feed that through and I can, I can try and put that cable through a piece at a time and, and, and rebind it back together to bring a rope, but that doesn't astonish anyone. It doesn't impress anyone. I did it on my own ability, but a camel. See, the camel comes through, I can put the baggage back on him. The camel comes through, I can, he gets up off of his knees and moves on. The cable gets put back together again. Meaning, if you don't let God take it, there's a chance that it gets put back together again. But if I put a camel through here, I could get real grotesque about that. That camel is not going back together. I can promise you that. <laughs> there is zero chance that if I get a camel through here, it ever looks like a camel again. Zero chance. I promise you that. So we see in verse 27, looking at them, Jesus said, with man, it is impossible. But with God, with God, all things, all things are possible with God. So the one who made the elements of this needle can shape them and form them and do whatever he wants with them. And he can fit that camel through the eye of a needle. The same is true for us to make it to heaven. We must have a relationship with Jesus. We must come before him. We must bow before him. And we must lay it all down before him. I can't make it to heaven on my own ability. But I can make it through with Jesus Christ. I can make it into heaven with him. I'm so thankful for my relationship with him. He would have never said the, the, the cable. He would have never said. He would never have been talking about a hole in the wall because that's on your own ability he wanted you to begin to realize that it wasn't my strength it wasn't what I did but it's what he did on Calvary so to make heaven it's not in my own power but it's through his power I must be in relationship with him I must lay down things and follow him and I think Peter got a little bit concerned at this point and was maybe a little worried if he had given up everything. Because we see Peter ask the question in verse 28. Peter began to tell him, look, we have left everything and followed you. I think the question he was hinting at was like, so Jesus, can we make it to heaven? Because you just said, like, no one can get into heaven. Are we doing enough? Are we doing right? I think it's good to ask that question. I think it, it's wise to, to ask that question to make sure that you're headed in the direction you need to go. It's okay to pray and ask God, hey, God, am I right with you? Like, are we, are we good? It's okay to pray and ask that. Or, or, or pray, I, I'm sorry, God, I messed up today. Will you forgive me? That's a good prayer to pray. Making sure that I'm laying it down, that I'm, I'm getting ready for you, Jesus. Or, or maybe even this. God, I think I have some things I've been putting before you. Can you help me get my priorities right? I promise you, if you will earnestly pray those prayers, he'll move in your life and he will begin to remove things from your life 
if you will let him. As long as you don't become like the rich young ruler and turn and walk away when he begins to speak into your life. Because we see when Jesus begins to speak, people turn a deaf ear and walk away. People say, oh, no, that's I was kidding, God. I don't want you to speak to me. That's that's too much. I won't give you that. And we turn and we walk away. We want change, but we don't really want to change. We want things from God, but we don't really want to give things to God. We've got to check our hearts and make sure we're where we want to be. This is some, some really deep stuff in here, but it builds a foundation for the next portion of this message to, to see what, what, what begins to take place. And so every one of those prayers will help get your life ready, will help get your life uh, right. And so we look and we see Jesus responded to Peter. I wish the rich young ruler could have listened to this part because I think it would have maybe changed his tune. In verse 29, it says, truly, I tell you, Jesus said, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and the sake of the gospel. Hold up there. And I'm going to read verse 30, but think about that. Let's, let's put that in common things. Your house, your family, your job, your career, your finances. If you've got a field, your field. Think about this. This is what Jesus said. There is no one who has left these things. In verse 30, it says, who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time. Houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. Break that down for just a minute. Ooh, if I leave it, he's going to provide it. But persecutions, it comes with some things. There is a price that you have to pay for being a Christian. I don't believe easy believism. I don't believe it. It's, it's not easy all the time. It's, it's not easy to wake up and say, I'm following Jesus today. No, sometimes I wake up and I say, I don't want to follow you, Jesus. Hey, real talk. Honestly, persecutions are a real thing. Thankfully, in America, they're pretty minimal compared to other countries in the world. But even here, there are persecutions but eternal life in the age to come. Verse 31 says, but many who are first will be last and the last first. Whoa, that's good. Thank you, Jesus. Scared to lay down your sin? Scared to, weigh, scared to put away your, your other gods? Scared to let go of your hurt and pain? Scared to let go of what's familiar with you and and follow Jesus, because that requires faith. In doing this, though, I'm going to be taken care of. I may be scared to do what Jesus has called me to do, but there is a reason why Jesus said the first will be last and the last will be first. I want to be a servant. When Jesus got down and washed the feet of his disciples, he became the ultimate servant. He, he, he got down and did the lowest. Why did they reject him? Because he came as a, as a carpenter's son. He, he came as a, as, a, as a baby. He wasn't a mighty king. He didn't, he didn't come in and, and wipe out thousands of people and say, this is now I'm stepping on the scene and I'm the king. He didn't do that. He came in a little different. And when they saw him, they rejected him because it wasn't what they had expected it wasn't what they had said this is what it's going to be like sometimes your promise is not what was in your mind but what God has is better than I could ever imagine you don't have to be afraid to go forward in him you can keep walking in faith in him I can chase after him in doing this I know that he's going to take care of me I don't have to have fear because he's on my side. 
There's a reason why Jesus said the first will be last. It's because he wanted us to be servants, to serve the people around us, to love people, to care for people. I want to help point people to Jesus. That should be everyone's ultimate desire and plan is to point people to Jesus. I want to follow you, Jesus, wherever you have me to go. I want to follow you. But Jesus will never send you to a place that he has not first equipped you to handle. Now, you may go and say, well, I've been in some situations that I did not feel that I was equipped to handle. But you made it through it, didn't you? He prepared you to make it through it. There may have been some times that you were like, I'm telling you this situation that I'm going through. I thought he said he wouldn't give us more than we can bear. He's not. You're bearing it. You're making it. You're going through it. You can hold on. You can keep doing it. Look, it may be like the darkest night. It may be the hardest time in your life. But I promise you, if you'll continue to hold on, he's going to bring you through. And you're going to take that testimony. And you're going to be able to touch someone else's life. That story that you've got has the ability to change someone else's life. That story that you're living right now has the ability to change someone's life. Your brokenness can affect other people, can touch other people. So embrace that brokenness. Give it to Jesus and say, this is what I've got. God, this is what I'm going to give you. It's not much, but it's my brokenness oh sometimes we just gotta lay it down the hardest thing are those familiar things that we hold on to and I try and keep it and hold on to it because it's familiar to me it keeps me tied to my past it, it keeps a memory in my mind I'll share this with you before moving forward I remember when my dad passed away I've got tubs in our garage that have his clothes in it. I've got tubs in my garage that have his, his shoes in it, his tool belt, his everything. I've got tools my dad used, and I don't ever touch this stuff. And I know if my dad was here, he would have thrown it away a long time ago. But that peace holds me to his memory. That peace, those things in my garage hold me to him. They, they hold me. And, and I remember there was a time last year I had these old boots that I had never worn. worn. They were my dad's. They were old when he had them. And I was looking at them. They were in my garage. We were moving. And I was like, I need to throw these away. And like, it was so hard to walk over to the dumpster, put them in the dumpster. They were terrible shape. And I just, like, I told myself, I was like, if my dad was here, he would have thrown them away years ago. He'd have bought new ones and thrown these away. <laughs> and I began to think this week, the same is true. We hold on to things in our lives that, that, that ultimately tie us to that hurt and pain. And so every time we revisit them, it's like peeling the scab back and never letting it heal. I go back over and over again and revisit these things. And when Jesus is like, hey, sell all that, get rid of it. You're like, this, ties, this is familiar. I can't let this go. I have to hold on to this. This is what I've always done, God. I've got to hold on to this. I can't change. This is the way I've got to be. This is what, this is what they said I would be like for the rest of my life. This, this is what they said I would have to do for the rest of my life. Come on, if you believe Jesus, don't you believe that he's the ultimate physician? Don't, don't you believe that he still can raise the dead? Don't you believe that he can still touch your life? Don't you believe that he can still pull you out of the pit of hell and set your feet on the rock to say, come on, don't you believe that today? Don't you believe that? Don't you know that he loves you? If you do, leave it in the past and follow him. Him. Oh, I believe that this is a word for someone here today that God wants to touch you, that he's heard your cries uh, and his hand is ready to be on your life. Uh, but he needs you to submit to his will. He needs you to follow him. He needs you to get on your knees and say, I need you, Jesus. 
The final point that I want to bring us to today is asking this question, how desperate are you for Jesus? We see the rich man was not desperate for relationship with him. We found that he was content with serving only with his lips and not his heart. But the heart has a far greater cost. I have to give my heart to Jesus. I have to give my desires to him. I have to give all that I am to him. I want to follow you, Jesus. We see Peter ask the question and make sure that he was doing what he was supposed to do. We realize that even in a daily walk with Jesus... We must make sure that we're on the right track and nothing is separating us. Peter, he literally was walking with Jesus every day and prayed that or said that to him. Like, come on, we, we, don't, we don't get to, to, to be there physically with Jesus, but we can walk with Jesus. We can feel his presence. It's okay to say, hey, am I, am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Even Peter did. I want to share with you a story before I close of a man that was desperate for a touch from Jesus. In verse 46, they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho, and as his disciples and a large crowd, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. Before moving forward, I want you to remember back to a few weeks ago when we talked about the blind man. And Jesus had to touch him twice for him to be healed. Why was that? There was a process. He was trying to teach something to his disciples. We saw today that Jesus was unable to touch the rich man. He essentially signed his own life away because he wasn't promised tomorrow. We don't know if that rich young man ever got his life right or his priorities right. As far as we know, the moment he turned and walked away was the last day that he walked the earth. That his, his earthly treasures became the place that he was buried, became the place that he left. That's all we know. We don't know exactly what happened to the young man, but we can say that if he wouldn't get it right when Jesus was standing before him, when Jesus left, how would he be able to get it right? He was literally, he was so privileged to stand there in the presence of Jesus. We are so privileged to come into the presence of Jesus, but sometimes we treat it as commonplace that we get comfortable with it, and we're okay with, you know what? It's only on Sunday that I need to get into the presence of Jesus. No, it's every day. It's Monday. I've got to feel you, Jesus. It's Tuesday. I've got to touch you, Jesus. It's Wednesday. I've got to get into my relationship with you, Jesus. I've got to talk to you every day of the week. I've got to serve him. Every day of the week, I've got to dwell in his presence all the days of my life. But this story, this blind man, this situation was different. He was never, Jesus was never given the opportunity to touch the rich young man. He was never given the opportunity to speak into his life. He rejected it. What Jesus had said, he rejected. But this story depicts something different. In verse 47, we heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. When he knew who was in the house, when he knew who was stepping by him, when he knew who it was, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. As soon as he knew there was an opportunity, he began to scream. He was sick of the place that he was in. He was tired of his situation. And he was determined to get a touch from Jesus. But what happens next is so disturbing. It's so heart-wrenching. It's terrible. But this is the truth and this is the picture so many times in churches all across America today. 
in verse 48, it says many warned him to keep quiet. Oh, hey, Bartimaeus. Shut up, it's Jesus. He doesn't want to touch you. You've heard it before. Whatever your name is, you can replace it. Hey, Jesus doesn't care about you. He's all up in heaven and doesn't really care. He, he isn't listening to you. He's not there when you cry. Oh, yes, he is. He hears our cries. His hand is upon our lives. But this man, when people told him to shut up, when people told him to keep quiet, it says that he cried out all the more, have mercy on me son of David we've got to get desperate for that touch we've got to get desperate don't ever let someone tell you that you have to keep quiet don't ever let someone tell you that you can't ask him for help don't ever let someone tell you when you come to church you got to sit there and be quiet it's okay to get excited for Jesus it's okay to get excited and cry out to him to get the touch that you need you have got to be desperate sometimes desperation looks a little bit like this right here oh Jesus I need you God you know the situation that I'm in you know the situation that I'm going through you know what I'm dealing with right now and I need you Jesus I need a touch from you in my life it's okay to get vocal in your prayer it's okay to get out there and begin to say no not today Satan I'm gonna fight I'm gonna hold on I'm going to keep making it if someone needs to say something uh, if someone needs something from Jesus in this place they need to scream it out if someone needs something from Jesus you better not be like these people and tell them to be quiet you better embrace those screams and you better say come on how can I get you to Jesus how can I help you get to Jesus I'm not going to leave someone behind I'm going to take them with me they may be a little crazy they may be a little off their rocker they may be a little different but you know what I'm going to pick them up and I'm going to take them to Jesus because I know Jesus is the answer for the world today we look at the chaos and everything that's going on and I know that Jesus is the answer for the world today he's the answer for your situation if someone tells you to be quiet you tell them I won't shut up I need something from Jesus I've got to give my touch I'm desperate for his presence. We see here that Jesus hears that man and calls him. In verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man. And what they say next here confuses me. They just got done telling him to be quiet. That Jesus didn't want to hear from the blind man. They just got done telling him to be quiet. Jesus doesn't want to hear from the depressed individual. Just got done hearing him say he doesn't want to hear from the one that's ridden with anxiety. The one that's stuck in addiction. The one that's stuck in immorality. The one that's stuck in their sin. No. They didn't say that. Those people that, that put him down and said, no, be quiet. They, turned their, they changed their voice and said to the blind man and said to him, have courage. Get up, he's calling for you. What? is your problem hey you need to be quiet oh wait oh jesus is calling you hey have courage i just tore you down i just i just beat you down but you know, have courage get up i don't need that kind of negativity in my life i don't need that kind of junk in my life i should speak faith i should speak truth if i'm a christian if i'm following jesus if i'm chasing after him i should speak life into people not death. What if this man would have listened to those voices? 
blind Bartimaeus wouldn't be a story in the Bible. Blind Bartimaeus would have died blind. But we see something here. Something that changes. We got to support one another in our pain. Every single one of you. We've got to be a church that cares. We've got to be a church that loves. That grows together. That are disciples of Jesus. That follow what he wants. If this man would have listened to these people, they would have, he would have never received the touch that he needed. He would have never had Jesus speak into his life. He would have never had his bondage loose. He would have never been changed into something different. And the same is true today. If I listen to those voices, if I listen to the voice of the enemy, and I stay silent in my desperation, I will not get what I need from Jesus. When Jesus said, come, he jumped and ran to him. He must have heard the voice of Jesus. Because when it was time for him to go, the Bible says in verse 50, he threw off his coat. He jumped up and came to Jesus. Oh, when I hear the voice call, I want to run to him. I want to be intensely listening for his voice and not the voices of the negativity that are speaking into my mind. I want to be tuned to his voice and not their voice because it doesn't say that he heard their voices. It says when he heard the voice of Jesus, he came, he jumped, he threw off his coat, jumped up and came to him. Oh, when I hear that voice, I want to run to him. He didn't just get up complaining and saying, Jesus, I'm the blind one. Come over here to me. No, no, no. He didn't make an excuse. He jumped up and said, no, I've got to get to Jesus. I'm going to make it to him. I'm taking off the sackcloth and ashes. I'm taking off the beggar. I'm going to follow Jesus. Oh, he made his way to him by any means necessary. He was desperate to get a touch from Jesus. You've got to have desperation. Verse 51 says, then Jesus answered him. What do you want me to do for you? Rabboni, the blind man said to him, I want to see. What do you need? I believe this with everything in my heart. That Jesus is asking the question today. What do you need? That he's here right now in this place and he's asking the question. What do you need? I believe it with everything that's inside of me. And I'm about to challenge you to cry out to him. I'm about to do it. So I want you to get ready. Get your nerves up. Get ready. Because we're about to do something we've never done in this church. But I believe that God wants to touch someone today. Verse 52. Jesus said to him, go. Your faith has saved you. Immediately he could see and began to follow Jesus on the road. Jesus never touched him. Jesus didn't have to do anything. Jesus spoke a word and he began to see. His eyes were opened with just a word. Oh, God, I want you to speak a word in my life. All you need is just, I just need a word today, God. I just need a word from you today. I pray that you've gotten a word from God today, that he's here today and he wants to hear your cry. I pray that you've heard it, that he wants to touch your life, that he wants to change you. And we see here that the Jesus never touches him. He just speaks the word. Oh, I just need you to speak a word, Jesus. But what about this man? He said, go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he could see. And he began to follow Jesus on the road. When I saw this, I was blown away. I, I was, I was shooketh. He, he said, it says here that when Jesus told him to go, your faith has made you whole. In his going, his decision was to follow Jesus. 
He could have very well walked away, turned away, but no, in his going, he said, I will follow you, Jesus. And I saw that, I began to think this morning as I was putting things together, it's time to walk in victory. And I realized I get to walk in victory because I chase after the one that is victorious. The only reason I get to walk in victory is because I chase him. So when I say it's time to walk in victory, it's time to follow him because he's the one that's victorious. He's the one that mends the brokenhearted. He's the one that changes lives and speaks to people. So let me ask you this. I know we have altar call in this place, but what is the purpose of altar call? It is not a place for those that that are all broken and messed up. It's a place for every person. Sure. You don't have to come physically to the altar. I believe that Jesus is omnipresent. He can he can be here and touch you anywhere that you are. Absolutely. But there is something that takes place in an altar call. It, it signifies a response in the physical saying, I want you to touch me in the supernatural. Do you have to come? No, you don't have to. But the physical is important as well as the spiritual. I signify that I am listening to what Jesus wants. I'm coming to him. And sometimes we sit there and say, I don't need it. It wasn't for me. I don't want people to think that I, I'm, 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 I messed up. But maybe sitting there is saying to the enemy, is signifying that you listen to the enemy in the supernatural. Because in the physical, you've heard too often that you're not worthy or you're not good enough. So let me tell you this today. God loves you. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt. That he's calling out today. What do you need? And he is looking for someone today that is sick of their situation, that is tired where they've been all their life, who will say, Jesus, I am leaving it all and I'm following you. Jesus, I'm leaving it all. I'm taking it off, God. I'm leaving the baggage there. It's going to be under my feet from now on. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm desperate for a touch from you. I'm sick of this, God. I need you to touch my mind. I need you to touch my heart. I need you to touch my body. You know what you need here today. And are you tired of where you're at and want to go someplace different? This is your opportunity. This is the time to press into the presence and to get what you need for him. Oh, Jesus. God, I pray right now that you would sweep across this place. God, I feel your presence here right now. God, I feel what you want to do. I pray that every heart would be touched right now. That every person would begin to hear what you have for them. God, that you've got new life for them. Oh, Jesus. God, I pray you would touch right now. If you would like to come to this altar in your desperate need, why don't you come and let me pray with you? Oh, Jesus. God, I pray you would move right now all across this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I worship you. It's okay to get loud in your prayer. Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life, Jesus. God, I need you.